This Tailgate Society podcast is brought to you by our good friends at Deadeye Premium Barbecue Products. Born in Iowa and made in the heartland, Deadeye is your go-to source for everything barbecue. Sauces, seasonings, you name it. They've made a science out of great grilling flavor. It's more than a sauce. Whether you're cooking sliders, dogs, steak, or chicken, Deadeye has the explosive flavor needed to make every dish delicious. Try a splash of their sweet and smoky original recipe or turn up the heat with their Magnum Edition barbecue sauce. Both flavors are available in seasonings as well as sauces. So pick your favorite and prepare your taste buds for an unforgettable eating experience. Deadeye Premium Barbecue products are available at Fairway, Hy-Vee, Amazon, or at DeadeyeBBQ.com. Hello and welcome to Culture Check, a Tailgate Society podcast. Please check the TailgateSociety.com and subscribe to Tailgate Society Podcast on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. I'm Arnold Woods. I keep my cell phone charged at all times, and I'm joined by Emily Cornell. Emily, what's going on? I do not. Like, I straight up will call friends, and I'll be like, hey, my phone is at about 20%. Like, it's going to die. I would die in the woods. This is what I'm saying. Um, We are referring to the great movie, Get Out, and there are spoilers very early on, I'm going to say this because I don't know what we're going to say after this that may lead to actual spoilers of the movie. If you've not seen Get Out, you can continue on, but like, I would advise you pausing this podcast, going to whatever you watch your films on, either rent it for the $3.99, buy it, do something, watch it, and then come back because um, it's a great movie. And this is going to be a great conversation about that movie. This is one where the spoiler alert is is certainly warranted off the top. Yes. We're going to get right into it. And this is a movie that the plot is very important to it. So I'm going to actually in a little bit talk about when I saw the movie and how I had to avoid spoilers, quote unquote, for a, a considerable amount of time. But I guess I wanted to start with that with you in terms of when did you see this movie? Um, Get Out, of course, 2017, directed by Jordan Peele. Jordan Peele won uh, a, a screenplay Oscar for this movie. He was nominated for director. The movie was nominated for Best Picture. Daniel Kaluuya, who we'll be talking about as Chris, was nominated for Best Actor. It also stars Allison Williams, Leroy Howery, Bradley Whitford, Caleb Landry-Jones, Stephen Root, and Kathleen, Catherine Keener. Just a phenomenon when it came out, a cultural moment when it happened. But when did you see the movie? Did you see it in theaters? Did you see it a little bit after? When did you see Get Out for the first time? I saw it in theaters. I think I saw it kind of right shortly after it came out. I was still in grad school and I went with some friends and it must have been like after sports where like it must have been a pause or something because we all like worked in college athletics together. So... I had a friend who was like, hey, do you want to go see Get Out? It's Jordan Peele's new movie. And I had seen nothing. So, like, I did not have a TV when I was in school because I lived somewhere different, like, every year. And I, like, didn't want to take a lot of stuff with me. So <laughs> I had no idea what this movie was about going in. But when he was like, oh, yeah, Jordan Peele. I'm like, oh, yeah, I like Jordan Peele. I would love to go see this movie. We get to the theater and someone was like, oh, yeah, like, I'm really excited for this horror movie. I'm like, what horror movie? And they're like, the movie we're about to see. And I'm like, oh, oh, great. And 
for folks who don't know, I really don't like horror movies. I get very, very scared. I saw Us, and I had to sleep with the light on for two months. So Get Out was just like, I knew nothing. Like, it was kind of a pure experience watching it, where I'm like, ah, a movie. I don't know what it's about. I don't really know who's in it. I know nothing. And that was my experience. Maybe that's why I'm like, this movie's so great. I don't know. This is fascinating to me. So you had no idea what the movie was about. Not even a little bit. Like, I think one of the ads came up on, like, Instagram, but, like, I didn't understand it. And I was like, I don't even know what this is. And so I just, like, it kind of ignored it. (laughs) Um, Like, ah, this, I can't even tell if this is a movie, a video game, a TV show. Like, I just didn't have time for it like at that time in life. So this is one that's interesting to me because I think that we kind of had opposite experiences with this movie mm-hmm. as far as viewing it, the context in which we viewed it for the first time. This is only my second time watching it. I watched it on Wednesday and I saw the movie well after it had left theaters, well after the the cultural conversations around the, the movie was at its apex. But I heard about this movie months before it came out and it was through Facebook. One of the rare someone had posted one of my friends, I think it actually might've been my cousin Ryan who posted the trailer to his Facebook. Usually I, I would see trailers through Twitter or on YouTube, or I would hear about them on Twitter and then go to YouTube and watch the trailers. But this was a unique one that someone posted it again. It might've been Ryan. It might've been, another one of my, my Facebook friends, but they posted the trailer on on Facebook and I watched it and I was like, so I knew it was a horror film, but I was like, what is going on? I'm like, Jordan Peele, you know, Key and Peele, Matt TV, like comedian, and now he's doing a horror movie. It was kind of, you know, at that time, we didn't have any frame of reference for Jordan Peele as a director of a major yeah. film. We didn't know, I think logically, people would have assumed that this person who had done so much in comedy, I mean, they did, I know he might've directed the movie Keanu. I don't know if he directed that or not. I know him and, and um, King and Michael Key were in that movie. Have you seen that movie? I have not. So that was a movie that came out. I actually saw that in theaters. My sister and I went and saw that. And it's like an action comedy movie. It's like a spoof of action comedies. Um, Tiffany Haddish is in the movie too. Oh. It's like, a, it's a spoof of John Wick, basically. I like that. So it's, it's, I remember liking the movie. It's a movie I only saw once, but I remember liking the movie thinking it was funny. And then I see the trailer for Get Out and I'm like, what is going on? And the movie came out, I think in February of 2017, maybe, I'm not sure. But the movie came out early 2017 and it was a big thing. And it was honestly one of those movies where I just didn't get a chance to see it in theaters. One of the ones that I wanted to go to. And I'm not a horror movie person myself but you know it's a black director so I want to go and support it Mm -hmm. but it's one of those that I just kind of just didn't get a chance to go to see for whatever reason um after having a child your movie attendance goes down significantly which is tough for me because I love going to movies and now we're in a pandemic and I can't go to movies either so that sucks but I didn't get a chance to see it and I saw it over a year after it came out wow Finally, yeah, I finally got a chance to to watch it online and I was able to, you know, at a certain point, you know what the movie's about, but there are still major plot points that I didn't know. Yeah. And so watching it was, was still 
it wasn't a shock because there are some things that I was expecting, but it was still so such an, a visceral, visceral experience, such an emotional, like captivating watch. And we'll get into the reasons why, but my question to you is what were your, how did you participate in the conversation surrounding the movie? I guess when it came out, were you eager to talk to people about it or what did you, what thoughts came to your mind after seeing the movie and, and how it was received publicly and sort of the, the conversation surround, surrounding it in pop culture? I think I wanted to talk to people about it, but like the people that I knew that saw it were the people I saw it with. Like my best friend still has not seen it and like won't watch it. Um, actually a couple of my really good friends was like straight up just won't watch the movie. They're like, no, it seems scary. And I'm like, it's only scary if you're black. Like that's, it's not a scary movie. And they're like, no, I don't think it's for me. Um, but I think like, I, I loved it. I was, when I was in school, like I was taking all these like social justice classes and like, you know, rhetoric and basically talking about the black experience um in some of these classes and so I was like oh my gosh this is it this is great and other people were not as eager to be fair I lived in Laramie Wyoming I think I had like one or two good friends who were black so it was like very slim slim number of folks I could be like hey like this movie though um because of course, like the friends I saw it with who were white were like, yeah, no, this was a great movie. And I really liked Jordan Peele, but like, it just was not quite the same. Um, and like, I have other friends now, like Emily, who I do sports and corks with, like, she loves this movie also. And um, she's like, this movie is so great and everyone needs to watch it. And there's so many things that you can like pick up on. So I think now I have more conversations about it than I did when the movie came out. Yeah, I was going to ask you, I guess, so you didn't, you didn't think it was scary, right? No, like there, there weren't any points where I'm like, this is a horror film and I am scared. And I'm like, like, that was not it. Like, did you think it was scary? It's that's kind of tied to how I was introduced in the movie though. And the, the conversation surrounding the movie, because it was a little confusing as someone who understood that it was a a good movie or a great movie and then b an important movie yeah a culturally relevant movie but you know understanding that but not having seen it myself and so the messaging that i'm getting from my friends and family um is it's a comedy but oh. it's a thriller but it's also this like there's one or two jump scares but most of all it's like they're talking about how like funny it is while at the same time talking about how the metaphors that the movie invokes are really, you know, prescient and very intelligent and the movie is so relatable on a lot of levels. And so it's, it's being talked about as this, you know, prestige black movie and being celebrated in that way. And then also people are just, I'm seeing a lot of memes about, you know, the sunken place and then you know get you a friend like Lil Rel and get out like those types of things so it's, it was kind of this um kind of this you know multi-layered my relationship 
my relationship to the movie before I saw the movie, it was like, I was trying to understand like what level I should view the movie through, I guess. Mm. But, yeah, it wasn't there. It, there's it's, I found the movie when I saw it for the first time, uh, tense yeah. and, you know, thrilling. And it was very thought provoking. And I guess we can just get in, get into it get into why the movie is those things, right? So the plot of the movie is a couple, an interracial couple, Chris played by Daniel Kaluuya and Rose played by Allison Williams. They go to Allison Williams' parents' house out in the country. This is the first time, you know, Chris is black, Alice, or Chris is black, Rose is white. And so he's being introduced to her family for a weekend. And there are black people who work at the... Uh, at the family's house and they're kind of acting funny and he's just kind of, you know, the majority of the movie is him navigating these awkward experiences of an interracial couple and, and meeting a family for the first time. And it's implied that the family doesn't know that he's black. And so he's having to navigate those waters plus all this kind of weird things that are going on. And, and it turns out that the family is doing some pretty sinister shit, which is, you know, taking black people um, into their home through Allison Williams's character. She, you know, dates these black guys and she lies to Chris and says that he's the first black guy that she's dated. And they bring these black people to this estate and a bunch of other white people in the area come to this estate to bid on them, essentially and bid on their bodies. And there is a, this is kind of a science fiction-y aspect to it, but they like lobotomize these people. They, they do a, a transfer of the brain, the identity, the consciousness of these white people, and they implant it into these black people so that they can control their bodies. And that they, you know, if you're an old, frail, diseased, or whatever white person, you can sort of get this new life through this younger black body. And so there's the body horror element. There's the sci-fi element. And Chris figures this out. He's hypnotized by Rose's mom. And he's, you know, the last act of the movie is his struggle to escape this fate. So that's basically the, the plot of the movie. Is there anything I missed in there? Anything that you wanted to add? No, you nailed it. So... What were your thoughts rewatching the movie? You said you, I think you said you've seen it a, a few times. What were your thoughts rewatching the movie today? I think you said you watched it. Yeah, I felt stressed watching it, and that's like most movies because I'm just like, oh, what's gonna happen? Because um, I'm just like, oh, this story, um, and just like not necessarily stress like the storyline because like. It's, I think it's a fun story. It's, like, very sci-fi. It's cool, whatever. Um, but, like, this time watching it, it's just, like, watching Chris navigate being with all of these white people. And, like, of course, I noticed that before, but, like, more so where he's just, like, to, like, say things. Like, when Rose is, like, I cannot believe that my parents would say this to you. And he's, like, yep. And it's just, like, it's not like he can 
in that space be like, yes, of course your parents like said some like low-key racist stuff to me. And of course your parents' friends are like making comments about like him being athletic or, you know, them liking Obama or um, any of the other just like not okay things that like people say every day to black people to this day. And so like just again watching him like navigate that like that is stressful because it's like oh if you mess up there that's where the actual problem is is like as a black person in predominantly white spaces you can't just fly off the handle and like obviously no one's really gonna fly off the handle but you can't just be like hey like what you said is like super ignorant don't say it again (laughs) um people tend to take it the wrong way and they're like oh well you're being aggressive or you're like you're being too sensitive and so like watching that piece of the movie and like looking more closely at that was kind of what I was taking in more um what about you watching you this being your the second time you would watch the movie I'm sure you picked up on things that you didn't before because there's so many details there are there are a lot of details and just kind of going off of what you said this is something that I, I was actually just thinking about just now, just listening to what your how you detail what stuck out to you. But, you know, this is a movie that was made from a particular point of view and it's made from a person, Jordan Peele. I don't know the context in which he was raised, but I know that he is, his wife is white. So he's in a, an interracial marriage my wife is white. I'm also in, a, in an interracial marriage. Uh, it's coming up on five years now that we've been married. But the frame of reference that I have for being raised is that I was raised as a black person in the predominantly white state. Um, I was born in Southern Missouri and uh, raised in Iowa, raised in Des Moines, Iowa. Iowa is a very white state. Des Moines is a diverse city within the state, relatively speaking, quote unquote, diverse comparative to the rest of the state. But there are a lot of white people here and I was raised by parents who impressed on me the importance of blackness. My parents are both, my parents are from Southern Illinois and Southern Missouri. So they were raised around a lot of black people and they really imparted on my sister and I, the importance of having a black identity. And so to watch a movie like this from the perspective of a black filmmaker where you know, white people are trying to strip this identity from you. It's really relevant. And it's really, um, I was able to engage with the story on multiple levels. What you were just talking about with Chris and him navigating these white spaces. I know that we're going to talk a lot about that on this episode, but one of the layers of this movie, one of the, 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 um, there's, there's two layers to this. There's two layers to, the conversations that that he was having with his with Rose's parents and how you know they're kind of saying these low-key racist things right like you just said and he's having to deal with that he's having to deal with these microaggressions and that's really that's really on the surface like you see that obviously Mm -hmm. and we're meant to you know Rose's family is meant to be liberal right there's the running joke where her father says I would have voted voted for Obama a third time if I could, right? Like he's, there's these, these little subtle things, like that's meant to show you that this family, this is not 
a white family that perceives themselves to be conservative. Like they see themselves as not racist or anti-racist or whatever, but that's not the case. And so on the, on the surface, it's a, it's a, a parallel to everyday life where black people who are in overwhelmingly white spaces have to deal with subtle racism and these low key comments that make you kind of squint your eyes and, you know, these subtle stereotypes all of these things that we have to deal with, right? So that's the first layer. The second layer of the movie is the second half of the movie, which is that the white family knows that it's racist, right? The white family is aware of what they're doing. They're they're aware of it. There's it's very sinister, and they're they are 100 percent aware of it. And so it's this artistic statement of, you know, we're always having to have these conversations with white people where they're trying to explain to us after having said something racist that that's not what they meant and that they're being misinterpreted or they just didn't know. And so we have to educate them or they need to educate themselves or yada, yada. There's that, but the, the, the artistic statement is like, no, deep down, you really do know. You know what you're doing. You know what your views are. You know how you view Black people. And it's really fucking evil. And it's just, that's, that's a really bold statement to make, I think, in this movie. Do you do you kind of see what I'm saying with that or how do you Oh yeah, I I I see it and I get it and I I think the more that I've like left a conservative like I grew up in a conservative town and then I went to school in a conservative state so I was like yeah, I expect it from people who are just like openly I don't want to say like openly ignorant, but they just like don't care what you think about their views. They just stand true to it. So then I moved to Boulder and it was like, (laughs) it was like being in Get Out. Um, The way people are like, what? This is racist? I'm like, yes. And they're like, ah, well, yes, it is. Okay. I don't really care. Like I want to continue on because changing the way I behave would inconvenience me. So... Um, I think, of course, in this film, it's, like, way more obvious when they're, like, yeah, like, we, (laughs) it's not fair that, like, your bodies are, like, faster and whatever, like, you are more athletic or you have, like, this skill, like, it's just not right. Like, I don't think anyone out in the world would say that out loud. I would hope. I would hope people are not saying that, um... So, but like that, again, it's a movie. So like it kind of has to be in your face like that to really show that like, yeah, it's just deeper than like the microaggressions. It's that like people like do and say things and they're like, oh, I didn't realize that like saying the N word is offensive. Like, can you explain to me? Like, no, (laughs) like you should know by now. You can't just like say the N word. That's like a very like, minor one but like that's like the easiest one to under that like I'm sure you've heard this where people are like oh I didn't realize I couldn't say the n-word yeah I think that one of the major points of this movie is that these little things these little subtle racists you know and 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 again I want to this is something that I I really want to impress on people if you're listening to this podcast and you're trying to come to grips with, you know, what racism looks like 
in America. I'll just say America because this is a this is a very American film. And there's a conversation to be had about Daniel Kaluuya, who is British, who is a black British man, uh, which we'll, we'll we'll talk about that a little bit later, and then how that impacts the story of from an American perspective. But there's a one of the main themes of the movie is that these little I'm sorry, I, I forgot to make that point. The the point that I wanted to make just now, if you're listening to this podcast and you're thinking about race, is that racism is deeper than one-on-one interactions. Racism is is it's more than you calling someone a racial slur, right? Like racism exists in, in systems and institutions and who people feel comfortable with having power and who gets the benefit of the doubt more and things like that. So I just, I need to say that off the bat. But there is... A, a theme of this movie is that these, the racism that does happen, <clears throat> excuse me, in one-on-one situations like a, a a black person meeting their white spouse's family and these things that are, that happen in this movie, the little microaggressions, the subtle stuff, like those things have a tangible effect on black people. Those things cause tangible harm and damage to black people. That's a very big statement of this movie. That's a, a, a major theme of this movie. Yeah. And the way the movie opens, I wanted to talk about that really quick. And I want to be mindful that I don't just ramble on and on. But this movie, there's a the movie opens, it's a cold open in the neighborhood. And it's Lakeith Stanfield's character. And he's in this white neighborhood and he is looking, he's on the phone with someone. Uh later on in the movie, you'll understand that it's it's Rose, it's Allison Williams' character that he's on the phone with. But he is trying to find her house or, or, or somebody's house or something. He's trying to, he's in this neighborhood, this black man in this affluent white neighborhood, and he starts talking to himself about how, you know, he's lost and he's in this, you know, it's a fish out of water thing, but there's the, there's the racial aspect of it because he's a black man in this white neighborhood. Um, that's the part of the movie I related to the most, I think, is being being somewhere late at night, you know, or wherever you are, and you know mentally, like you're hyper aware as a Black person of the space that you're in, and you need to, no pun intended, get out of that space. Like you need to leave that area because you know, like on a conscious level, that it's dangerous. There's danger in being in that space. And he's walking in the neighborhood and a car going the opposite way of him pulls a passes him, pulls a Yui and comes up next to him. That's happened to me before. And I've been in a white neighborhood in broad daylight. Um, I was doing canvassing work for the Obama campaign. So this was like 2007. I was 18 and I was volunteering for the Obama campaign. I was going door to door to see if people registered to vote. And I had my backpack on, and in my backpack were um, like pamphlets from the Democratic Party about how to register to vote. And it's the middle of the day, middle of the afternoon, and I'm in a white part of Des Moines, a white suburb of Des Moines, West Des Moines, for those of you who are listening and are familiar with the area, and a cop car. I'm walking one direction, the cop car is going the other direction. And it passes me. And in my head, all I think is, please don't turn around. Please don't pull a Yui. Please don't turn around. Now, right off the bat, there's levels to that, right? I'm not doing anything wrong. 
There's nothing. I've broken no laws. I have a right to be walking where I'm walking. But seeing the cop car, my first instinct is, please don't turn around. And sure enough, the cop car turns around, pulls up to me. Cop gets out, buzz cut, sunglasses, white dude. What are you doing? What's in your bag? Show me some ID. Right? And I was shook. And I showed him my ID. I showed him what was in my bag, even though I had a right to not do those things. But that happened to me. And I was completely shook by it. And the next day, I was in a different part of West Des Moines, and the same thing happened, and I quit canvassing. So these things have a tangible effect on people. These racist interactions have a tangible effect on people. In the beginning of Get Out, he ends up getting abducted in the car, right? Someone comes out in a mask, but like you said, like it's a movie. And this, the movie is the, this is the dramatization of it. Everything is taken to the extreme. It's the, the extreme part of the, the, the extreme version of my interaction in West Des Moines is someone abducting a black man off the street, taking him in an unmarked car and zooming off. And we say extreme, but that shit is happening right now in Portland and in different, you know, areas of the country right now. And it's, it's, it's our reality now. So we're living in a fucked up time, I guess. Um, but I, I really wanted to articulate that because that was really at the forefront of my mind when I watched that, that scene on Wednesday. And I've been talking for like seven minutes straight. So let me shut up and ask you um, about Daniel Kaluuya's performance in this movie. Because that's what we're, we're talking about, Black performances in movies. And, you know, Kaluuya is a, is a pretty... He's a pretty hot actor right now. He's, we're going to talk a little bit more about why later, but what did you think about um, him as you watched him in this role? I thought that he was really good in the role. And I, I think when I first watched it, I thought he was really good. And I didn't know he was not American. But then, of course, I was like, oh, I need to know more about this movie I just watched and who was in it. Because like, I have no idea. I had no idea who any of the people in it were. But, like, that's just, that's life. Um, but it was interesting. First, <laughs> he, he did really well. I really enjoy him. I think he's a really good actor. And I know that there were issues, people had issues with him being not American, but playing an American Black man in this film. And I guess I'm just like, well, racism is different in different countries but like I don't know I don't have any particular feelings about him being not American playing this black American man um, and telling a story that is very specific to the black American experience Um, I think that he watching it today I was like wow his like best moment is that final act where it's just like, he's very desperate. He is fighting for his life. And he's just, he goes from being like, Oh, like I was trying to like be nice to these people who like my girlfriend's family. And like, he finds out that his girlfriend's the worst. So like he has those feelings to like work through but he's more he's like nope I have to get out of here (laughs) like I have to leave I will do whatever it takes um and so just like him getting out of the house and just like fighting tooth and nail 
And then there's, excuse me, there's a moment where, so the grandmother is in a young black woman's body and he hits her with the car and he's like, oh man. So he feels bad. He picks her up, puts her in the car, even though like he knows that everyone who's black at this house is like in the sunken place, but he like tries to save her. And so it's just like, there's such a wide range of like emotions that he is displaying in this sequence and then there is terror not just the terror for like what is what could have been happening to him or what could have happened to him but the grandfather is in this young black man that rose had dated and brought him to the house um and chris snaps him out of the so like his cell phone the like light on his cell phone is it like breaks the uh trance that people are in to be in the sunken place and the man in that the grandfather his body he occupies he snaps out of it he shoots rose and then he shoots himself in the head um and like so the again more fear and just like probably confusion like there's so much there there's all these like very intense feelings that are happening in the final act and so I think that um he shines in that um and maybe just because it's like a super intense sequence I don't know but like I think he does super well in there what do you think of his performance it makes us an interesting point about the scene at the end where he's leaving and he hits um he hits the woman that was um, the grandmother is in her body, the young black woman. Her name is Betty Gabriel, um, an actress named Betty Gabriel, who went to Iowa State. So I need to shout her out uh, in that respect. But she, there, there's such a, there's such a, a deep subtext there of this. You know, he just can't leave her behind, knowing, like you said, like he knows that she is, you know, her mind has been infiltrated by the older white person and he, you know, he, he, you see him talk to himself, right. Where he's like, yeah, I just don't, just don't do it. Just leave. Just, just leave. And he's like, he like can't bring himself to leave her behind. And there's, there's a subtext there of, you know, there's a, a commentary where it's like, we're still, you know, we're still going to try to save each other. We're still going to try to, no, no matter what, um, you know, despite logically it, we should just leave or we should just um, move on. Like we still have that instinct to try to like uplift each other and it kind of backfires on him, but he, it, it says something about his nature mm-hmm. that he won't just like leave her behind after he's hit her. Uh, I think that, you know, me, I, I knew that he was British and so, but like, seeing more of his stuff now and being more familiar with him as an actor now than I was when I first watched the movie, I can kind of hear his accent come out at certain times, mm. uh, which was interesting to watch, but I think that he did a really good job. And in terms of what you were saying of him being a British actor and the implications that have, that has for, you know, him playing this role of a black American in, in this really specific black American experience. I think that we can have that conversation. I think it's worth having and understanding the unique experiences of black Americans versus 
the black British people versus, you know, members of the African diaspora at, who reside in different countries in the, in the context and the history of those countries. But as far as me, I just, I, I think that it's, it's, we can have those conversations, but I'm not, I don't want to, I'm not trying to pit black people against each other in, in any context. And especially in this, like, I don't, I think that he did a great job. Yeah. I think that he was worthy of the attention and the the recognition that he got for this performance. And I, you know, at the end of the day, I want to see black people win in general. If they're from Britain, if they're from Jamaica, if they're from Ireland, wherever they're from, I want to see black people have success. So I don't have a problem with him playing this role. Not that thought that he did a, a really great job. I think that watching him, his acting style of just kind of, you know, he's having to appear to be at ease while internally being like hyper aware of his surroundings and like monitoring everything. Like, I know what that's like. I know what it's like to try to put on this appearance of being like calm and in control of everything while internally and internally, like you're scanning everything you're scanning who's in the room. Um, you know, what things can go wrong, how you can, mitigate things going wrong if they do like all of that within the context of being in a, in a super white space. And so I, I can sort of see the machine going in his head of how to play these different roles while he's with the family. And I just, I think that he did it. He did it really well. What did you, Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, I was just going to say, I agree with that completely. And, and to, to your point of him like playing that where he's like ah, I'm like calm but like inside he's like oh my god is it like I need to be very calculated um I, he does it well I think that I think that like psychologically too like he has to portray so much trauma that's been done to this character yeah even before he's you know hypnotized and he's trying you know he's he spends the last, you know, half hour, 45 minutes of the movie, like fighting for his life, literally before he even gets to that, he's having to deal with this girlfriend who, who is gaslighting him really bad. Like to me, Rose is like the worst character in the movie. She is. She like the brother like sucks because he is like super violent, but like Rose is terrible. Yeah. Psychologically and like physically and she really is since she's the one going out and like getting these black people like she might be the worst she's just like nope I don't see any value in you beyond like being a body like even while the house is like being torn apart while Chris is trying to escape she's looking up like young athletes to then pursue what a one thing yeah I'm just like oh my gosh just wild and she's so bad because you know she's she's the gaslighting is just off the charts because she's you know he's telling her this person said this to me at the you know at the party it's just like over the top right at the party it's these old white people and they're telling chris like it's like every stereotype like there's the the older white woman who asks rose like is it true that he's better in bed there's the guy who's like wants to see him swing a golf club right? <clears throat> all these things, all these microaggressions that he keeps facing, and then with her dad as well. And she either plays it off as not a big deal, 
or she's like, you know what? Yeah, you're right. That's so messed up. That's so messed up. Let's just go. Let's just do all that. While deep down knowing what her plans are later on, which is, again, the premise of the movie that the two-layered, like, you know, these microaggressions being what they are and not, you know, white people not understanding it or trying to play it off like it's not a big deal, while at the same time, deep down knowing exactly what they're doing and meaning it for evil. And, like, she has to do, she, like, she's trying to play with his psychology to make it seem like she's on his side when deep down she's, like, the worst and is, is you know, shepherding him towards this inhumane, like, fate that awaits him. And you can see it even in the last moment that she's alive in the movie where he feels bad, like, she's about to die. And, like, you watch a person die in front of you, you're probably going to feel bad. And she's like, oh, like trying to be super sensitive then the cop car pulls up and she's like help um so she is the worst zero out of ten do not recommend good performance (laughs) i've seen i think that this really speaks to the state of america um now and when the movie came out because i saw interviews with allison williams like while they were doing press for this tour and she was talking about how she like people would come up to her and be like like white people would come up to her and be like, Oh my gosh, like I just felt so bad for your character, blah, blah, blah. And she was like, my character is the worst one in the movie. Like you're not understanding this. Like she's the villain. She's the worst one. But it's like, you see this, you know, young, attractive white girl. And it's your, like the collective American white American consciousness is to be on her side or feel sorry for her or try to prop her up as, as she's a hero. And she has to, like, she had to tell people, like, no, I'm not, I'm like, I'm the, the clear villain of the movie. So there's still, when the movie came out, there's, like, such a, it's like the two Americas thing, right? Where there's mm-hmm. one America that, like, really, truly did not understand her role in the complete evil aspect of the movie. So. Uh. One- Wanted to talk too about, um, and this is where the the memes come in. Is Lil Rel, Lil Rel in the movie, um, plays Chris's best friend who works for TSA. His, his best friend Rod, and this was the the part of the con- the cultural conversation that this is one of the ones that I felt the most left out of in terms of like the jokes surrounding him because there are so many memes and it was just like, you know get you a friend like this. And it's just like a picture of, of Lil Row in them. <laughs> and, you know, he's, he's, he's kind of the comic relief of the movie. Yeah. I would guess, I think it's a, a staple of horror films. I'm not that well-versed in horror, horror films. I haven't seen that many of them, but he is, he's the one that kind of eases the tension with jokes. And, you know, he's like an outlandish character, but he's also the smart character. Like he knows that something is not right. He knows that he needs to help his friend and he is like, he's an encapsulation of every like black person that watches a horror movie where you're like, don't go in there. Don't go down there. Like you're not being smart. Like you're the, the audience of black people, like talking to the movie. Like, why would you go down in the basement when you know there's some horrible shit down there? Like that's what Lil Rella is in this movie. Then he's hilarious. And I agree, get you a friend like Rod. What did you think of Lil Rel in the movie? So when the after the movie came out, I was writing for something at my university. And that was like, I was like, 
the most unrealistic thing about this film is that the TSA would get something right. But like this was the best part. Like this was such a good part of the movie, and um, I'm glad that they used the uh, closing scene where he is the one that saves Chris instead of the scene where it's the cop who shows up, like the cop that stopped uh, Chris and Rose when they were driving when she hit the deer. Like that would have been such a like gut punch for the end of the movie if they had not had Lil Rel. And so I think it, if not for the whole movie where he's kind of the comedic relief, the ending, because nobody wants to see that ending, <laughs> like where it is the actual police officer. Yeah, that would have been a horrible. That then it really would have been a horror film, and I would have been like, well, this was scarring. Did you notice? I was gonna um, mention this earlier, but like another horrible part of Rose, right, is when she she fakes when they hit the deer and the cop comes and the cop asks for Chris's ID and she like stops him and it's like, no, why would he doesn't he wasn't driving, he doesn't need his ID, blah blah, like faking like she's defending him when in reality she just doesn't want the cop to see his ID, she doesn't want the cop to know that he's there in case he goes missing. Like that was something that I caught on like after I watched the movie for the first time there's like a lot of like fan commentary a lot of like fan theories and like reddit type stuff where you're looking for easter eggs in the movie and that's one of the things that I saw when someone was like that's why she didn't want she like just didn't want the cop to see his ID and know who he was in case he like someone turned him up as a missing person so and the first time I saw it I thought that the officer was going to be in cahoots with whatever was going to happen like I was expecting the officer to make an appearance again. Yeah, little subtle things like that, I think, are just make it such a, a well-directed movie. Yeah. There's oh, some yeah. like little things um, where you're kind of, it kind of keeps you guessing in a lot of places. Yes, and like that, that makes it really enjoyable to not be able to like predict everything that's going to happen. Like it could have been that setup, but it definitely wasn't. Um, but to the that scene where the officer asks for Chris's ID. I also think that like Rose's like very loud defiance where she's like, no, like you, you're being racist, blah, 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 blah. Like it's, it may be because of like the environment we're in and we're seeing a lot of performative allyship where people are like, yeah, like I, of course I'm going to like shout out like, we need to be like anti-racist. Okay. Well then like you need to stop letting people like just be racist. (laughs) And they're like, no, but like that would inconvenience me. Um, Like, I feel like that scene is kind of that where she's like very loud. She's like, no, like you're being racist and then turns around and does something horribly racist. You're so right. And it's so, it's such a, another layer of the movie where you talk about it's performative, like you're hundred percent right. It's performative because she has that interaction with the cop where she's, you know, she gets loud with the cop who she doesn't know, who she doesn't have any type of relationship with, right. Who she will probably never see again in her life. But when Chris has these interactions with her brother and with her father and with the people, uh, the local people who come to 
the party when he has these like super racist interactions with these people. She either tries to play it off like it's not that big a deal or she tries to make him feel like what he's feeling is invalid. Like he's being absurd somehow, which is another level of gaslighting, right? Like this person was just like, oh, I, you know, I know Tiger Woods <laughs> to the only black person at the party. But that's not a big deal. Like you're not you're you're making you're making more out of it than what it is, which is bullshit. Like, no, he's not like that's a really, you know, that compounded with everything else is going to affect him mentally, emotionally, psychologically. And she's just trying to play it off. But with the cop, you know, with the ID, then it was a big deal. So it's just, you know, the, the performative aspect where in certain public situations where it's easy for you, like what we're doing now, right, with public, with, with sports, mm-hmm. where there's this conversation where kneeling during the anthem. Well, now it's not, you know, it's you're expected to do it now. Like now there's no... um there's no threat to to anything bad happening to you or, or any consequences from you kneeling. So now, cause now everyone does it. And so I know that there are people who are doing it who really don't have their heart in it, but it's performative because when it was controversial to kneel, then no one did it, but now it's been sanitized. Mm-hmm. So it's just like a lot of stuff. And that's not to hate on the people who are doing it, who mean it, because um, there are people who are trying to make this statement and trying to put this, keep the the pressure on the social movement to, to keep going, but there's a hundred percent people who are, you know, who had the opportunity to kneel when Cap did it, when other people did it in 2016, but didn't do it because of the consequences involved. So I, you made just a really great point there. It, I, I think if I had watched this even a year ago, like the last time I watched it, I would not have thought about that, but like, that's just something that is so in our face right now. That's like, ah, cool. Glad that you feel that black lives matter today. Cause it's hip. Right. Um, as opposed to all of the time, because black people are in fact people, um, which is like the biggest issue with all of these white characters in this film is that like, black people are not necessarily people they're valued for specific things um and you earlier had said how like it impacts like the black experience like they like black people are like negatively harmed but like the way that the these characters are talking to him is like it's problematic in terms of how they then will like treat black people and like contribute to that like bad experience um And I think that it's presented where it's like, if you continue to talk about like a person, like they are livestock, you're going to treat them like that. And then you're not going to see the problem with what you're doing, Um, which obviously these folks didn't have a problem because they were auctioning a human body off. So that's like such a great segue into what I wanted to ask you next in terms of, you know, the auction and, you know, that's, there's so many layers to this movie. Like there's, it's just layers on layers on layers. So there's like the, you know, the connection to slavery, right? Yes. You know, you have the picture and they're at this, you know, he's in a, a gazebo with chairs out and it just invokes the image of um, slavery, of the slave trade in the 1800s and this group of white people 
bidding on black bodies. So there's that aspect of it. But then I wanted to ask you, I guess, especially considering you went into the movie blind, right? Like you, you had no idea what it was about. You didn't know what the context was surrounding the movie. And so you're watching the movie and the reveal comes where we finally, you know, understand that Rose and her family are evil and you, we don't completely know yet, but there you, you see them bidding and, you know, and then it goes on later on after Chris has been captured and he's tied up and stuff. And it's, it's explained to you what the um, crux of the movie is, what the crux of the horror is, which is these white people who are going to implant themselves into black people and strip them of their agency and of their ability to live their own lives. And they're going to take over these black people. They're going to take over these black bodies. Like the first, the first time you're in the theater, you're watching this and you understand that that's the plot of the movie. You understand that that's the big reveal. And that's the, the sort of um, the big moment in the movie. Like, what were you thinking? What did you, how did you react to that? What did you think of that? That's when I was like, ah, that is what is scary. And it's like, yeah, that I think that was just the general thought. Liz. I was just like, oh, yeah, like these people are t- body snatchers and like they say, like they claim to be like so progressive and liberal or whatever, where they're like, I would have voted for Obama a third time. <laughs> like, but that doesn't matter because they still like treat people poorly. Um I like I think at the time like watching it I didn't think too too much because I didn't know a lot of people who were in that same like oh like I feel this way also until I had left and lived in a liberal city so yeah I think that was just like watching it the first time I'm like oh like this is scary because like white people some white people do view anyone other like that where they're like oh you're like kind of disposable and we can do whatever we want with your body (laughs) yeah that's the that's it's for me it's that it's twofold like it's scary on one level and then it's just infuriating on the other level yeah oh yeah the the fear for for me comes from this you know if a white person can like infiltrate your mind then they can control you yeah and that's just like that's really scary and i i understand again growing up in iowa and being surrounded by white people a lot like i know the ways that you know your mind can be manipulated into stripping you of your culture and stripping you of your connection to blackness yeah and to like actively fight against that um mentally like having to push back against that and the like internalized racism exactly and you start to hate yourself right you start to hate blackness or you you, like you start to feel more comfortable with white people being in positions of power and you as a black person start to give white people the benefit of the doubt more than you do people of color like those that's really scary yeah and then it's also angering it's it's infuriating and it's you know chris well, uh, uh, what I really picked up on this time, seeing it the second time, was his, his photography talent. Like, that's a theme. Like, people keep saying, like, he's such a good, he's so talented as a photographer. 
And the blind guy played by Stephen Root at the end of the movie, who is, you know, you know, I'm not racist. I don't care, you know, blah, 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 blah. But, you know, I'm blind and I want your, I want your talent. I want to be able to see again. I want to be able to use your, your, your skills as a photographer for myself. Like I, I, I have a right to your skills. I have a right to your talents and I'm going to take them from you as a white person. I have the, I can lay claim to your abilities because I deserve them for myself. And that's a, that's the metaphor of the movie. And that's really angering because that's, that's something that exists in reality. So it's, it's taking these realities and interpreting them through art in a really extreme and in an extreme way, but in also in a subtle way. Mm-hmm. And so you have to kind of parse those things and kind of bring them out in conversations like we're having now. But, you know, psychologically, mentally, mentally, like that's really, that really angers me because I know a lot of people feel that way. I know a lot of white, white people feel like they, um, they can take ownership of, of, of black culture and of black talent. And it, yeah, it just, it pisses me off. And so to see it in this interpreted the way this movie does, I think is, is just really effective. I agree with that. I think that, again, like you'd said, it, it being a movie, it is like some things are kind of more dramatic, like when he, Lakeith Sanfield's character gets like abducted, but like showing like these issues with, within society, like, somehow zooming in on like one issue but also making it where like it's understandable like this movie does a really good job of showing that and how awful it is like I I think about Us another film that Jordan Peele's done that like it's a horror film and like it's kind of scary but it's more scary about when you think about like the state of society like it's not necessarily that you have like Freddy Krueger running around. No, we have just your casual person walking down the street running around or driving in around and stealing people out of like off the street. Us is another one that I haven't seen yet. So I'm late to these days. It's very scary um, in, in the same way that this is. Would you, would you say it's scarier than Get Out? Or would you say it's like about the same? I would say it's scarier because it's like more, they're a little more, they're like a few more jump scenes, but also, so the problem of Get Out, like that it's like looking at is like the racial issues. Um, with, and specifically between black Americans and white Americans. I mean, you get like a little bit of the, there's one man who is Asian in, he's at that like, lunch party thing and he's like do you feel like there's an advantage to being black um as opposed to any other minority and it's just like who asks that kind of a question um so like you get a little bit of that where it's like oh between like other people of color like what what's going on like where do we all sit within society because there is like that within all those subgroups or all as all those subgroups exist in the u.s like there is a hierarchy um Whereas, like, us does not specifically look at race. Like, people are black in it, like, Lupita's in it, but um, 
it's like more about um, like socioeconomics and like what happens when you push all of these people to the fringes and you don't listen and you marginalize them. Like what hap- Like what do you expect when something bad happens? Like we cause this because we were like too greedy or too like, no, I like, I don't want to associate with this. So um, us is, again, jump scares, but like, it's just a scarier thing because while I'm like, I probably am not going to be racist towards anyone in America. Like everyone for sure has their own prejudice and like somehow contributes to like mar like further marginalizing some group. Um, And it's like, when you're in a position of privilege, I think that it's easy to be like, oh, like, that's not my problem. But like, yeah, it's your problem. This is your community. Like, we exist here together. The the putting the Asian character in there at that party, I think, like, that was just, that was an interesting choice to do that. And it's almost just like, because that's a completely separate conversation to have. Yes. And that's, like, not a conversation that would fit in this movie just from like a time standpoint, and this isn't a very long movie, but you know, it's less than two hours, about a, an hour and 45 minutes, but to have that conversation in terms of like how other minoritized populations, like racially minoritized populations in America relate to each other. Yeah. And, and um, the relationships that they have with each other, like that's a different conversation that's worth having but it just would be in a different movie so i i go back and forth about that that part because i'm like i'm i think that it's certainly relevant to have that in there but it's almost just like well if you're going to put it in there like you need to develop that idea more a little bit than you did but then at the same time like you can't do it too much because it's going to take away from like the main plot of this movie so yeah interesting part though so i'm glad that you brought that out yeah, it's it's a good it's it's very small, but like it maybe in future films he'll talk about that and just like the different how different minority groups interact with each other and like sometimes don't always collaborate in this, but like are still marginalized. Like we we are still not the dominant group here, but like why are we fighting each other? <laughs> It just, I think that it kind of connects to what we were talking about too, in terms of like the, the black British actor versus the black actor. And, you know, there's, I've read stuff about how like black actors in England come to America because, you know, English movies aren't giving them the same opportunities that, uh, that American movies are, are giving black people. And you already know how bad it is for black people here to get in the movie. So I can only imagine if it's worse than, in English movies, but you know, like they have, you know, black British people have uh, their own specific context of racism. Yeah. We have our own specific context, but at the end of the day, I mean, colonial colonialism is colonialism, right? So we're all in, and on some level fighting the same struggle. So. Yes. But the system that is putting everyone or making everyone struggle is the same system that's like dividing everyone in this struggle which is so frustrating exactly that kind of leads us to this last point i guess about about daniel kaluuya who 
again, is the focus of our episode. This episode really is just about, you know, get out in general, but the performances of Daniel Kaluuya. And then now I know that we have, we've been kind of discussing this, but yesterday, last night, a trailer dropped for a movie called Judas and the Black Messiah, which Daniel Kaluuya will always also be starring in playing the uh, black revolutionary socialist member, leader, chairman of the Black Panther Party, activist Fred Hampton, who was uh, murdered by the FBI at the age of 21. And Fred Hampton is an American, was an American, was from Chicago, again being played by Daniel Kaluuya, a black British person who, again, I know that this conversation, this conversation has already started about, you know, should he be playing the role, whatever, but based on the trailer, I mean, it just looks explosive. It looks... Um, it looks like he's going to do an incredible job in the role. And he's just a, an actor that I think that we're going to need to be, you know, paying attention to for a long time to come here. Oh, yeah. He, and he's in a lot of other things. Get Out is obviously like what people remember him for. But I think after Judas and the Black Messiah comes out, that might be the one because it does look very intense. Lakeith Stanfield's also in it. Um, and it looks like his role is bigger than it was in Get Out. And he does not seem to be playing the character he's typically playing on everything else of like this lost stoner. Yeah, definitely. This is like, you know, a, a wild departure from his role in Atlanta and, you know, he's, he is, he's not really in get, in get out for a long time. And so this, this is certainly more of a, a starring role uh, or, you know, a supporter, a supporting role, but like a major part of the, of the, of the story for Lee Keith Stanfield. So I'm really looking forward to seeing this movie. I'm looking forward to seeing Lee Keith Stanfield's performance, Daniel Kaluuya's performance, and um, the performances of the rest of the actors in the film and how it plays out. This is, I think it's going to be a great one. So it'll be good uh, storytelling. That's for sure. Exactly. Any other thoughts on any final thoughts, I guess, on, on get out. Um, I think we covered it. I think we talked about like, I was very excited about this movie. Um, I think it's a great movie and it's so relevant. And Daniel Kulia, like, this is where he people notice him and hopefully with like Judas and the Black Messiah, like people are like, yes, let's give this man an award. Exactly. What about you? Do you have any final thoughts? This is a movie, I guess, from the top of what we said, if you haven't seen this movie, definitely watch it. Take the time to watch it and really try to take to heart some of the themes that it's talking about. And it's it's a movie that lends itself to repeat viewings. So I'm sure I'll see, I'll watch it again at some point down the line, but it was really great to revisit it and kind of pick out some things that I'd missed from the first time I watched it. And next week, we'll also be talking about another movie that Daniel Kaluuya is in, Widows. But we'll be focusing on the performance of Viola Davis. She is. Very excited for this one. So great. Very excited to talk about that one. And this so, is a movie that you have seen, but I have not seen. 
Yes, which I feel like is very weird because I feel like you've seen a lot of movies and I have not. This will be good because this is like, again, so like last week we did Waiting to Exhale and that was one that neither of us had seen. Mm -hmm. And now this one is one that we were both revisiting. And now this, I think, is going to be the first one that, um, because I'd seen Malcolm X, you hadn't. Correct. But, but no, but you had seen Hidden Figures and I hadn't, right? You Or had you seen Hidden Figures before? I had watched it like very recently. Okay. So, so I, yeah. yeah, so that's one. So I hadn't seen Hidden Figures, but you had. And then we're going, we're kind of like off and on because I'd seen Bad Boys and you hadn't, and we both sell Creed. But yeah, this will be another one that I have not seen, but you have. So I'm very excited to get your thoughts on this one after you rewatch it. Um, and same, I'm very interested in what you will have to say after watching it for the first time. Like if, it, if, if I'm like, Oh, this is so great. And it's really not, I just <laughs> am amused by anything. <laughs> I'll trust your opinion. No, it's another one of those. It's just like this movie. It's another one of those that it came out and I wanted to see it. And I just literally just didn't get a chance to get to the theater for it. So I'm excited to, to watch it in the comfort of my own home, I suppose. It'll be great. But I'm excited to talk about that. And we're excited to talk to you all about it next week. Thank you for listening. Thank you. See you next week.